There are certain contrasts in life that are so clear that everyone understands them. For example, light and darkness, absolute opposites. Life and death, absolute contrast. No one fails to understand the difference. Now here's one, good and evil. The contrast between good and evil is just as real. In fact, it's more real than the contrast between life and death. See, how can anything be more real than the contrast between life and death? Because the contrast between good and evil is actually at the root of the contrast between life and death. The contrast between good and evil is not just a contrast. It is a conflict. It's the ultimate conflict. It's the conflict of the ages. God is the source of all good. And Satan is the source of all evil. When good wins in your life, God wins in your life, and you win. When evil wins in your life, Satan wins. You lose, and the people around you lose. It's always in your best interest for good to win in your life and for evil to lose. Now, so far, I've not said anything that you don't know, and I may not say anything you don't know all night, but everything that I've just said is basically a confirmation of what you already know about good and evil. So let's go another step here. In the Bible, good and evil are found in the same verse 97 times. The Old Testament book where good and evil are found in the same verse the most times is the book of Jeremiah. I'm sorry, 13 times in the book of Jeremiah, good and evil are found in the same verse 13 times. The New Testament book where good and evil are found together in the same verse the most times. I was going to ask you, anybody want to take a guess? But since the scripture reading was in the book of Romans, you probably would guess Romans, and you'd be right. The New Testament book where good and evil are found in the same verse the most times is the book of Romans, and it's ten times. And not only is it the New Testament book, but uh, it's also the, the book of the Bible that's second most, second only to Jeremiah. Tonight I want to show you from the Bible... Five principles from Romans to assist you in causing good to win and evil to lose in your life. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? It is simple. It's not complicated, but it is hard. A very helpful thing to understand the difference between simple and, and easy. That's the word I was looking for. It was easy was not an easy word to find there. But uh, simple means not complicated. Uh, easy means not hard. There are some things that are very hard. They're not complicated. They're just hard. And the fight between good and evil is not complicated. But it is difficult. It's hard. It's challenging. So I want to give you five things to help you. And these will literally help you if you'll understand them. And put them into practice in your life. The first one is found in the scripture text that we read. Romans 7 verse 21. Paul the apostle said, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. And here's the first principle to help you to, for good to win and evil to lose. Understand, number one, evil is always a threat. Never let your guard down. 
We are so foolish and Satan so easily deceives us into thinking that the threat is gone. But Paul said, I find a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Never let your guard down. You ever watched a, a movie or a television show where, and I, I try to stay away from using TV shows or movies as, as illustrations, but we all understand you're watching some movie and you see the good guy and the good guy makes the mistake of not taking the bad guy seriously enough. Or you're going, no, Marshall Dillon, don't trust that guy. He's bad. Whatever. But you, we make the, you, you see the good guy make the mistake of trusting somebody he shouldn't trust or thinking the threat is gone when the threat is not gone. Let me tell you, the threat of evil is never gone. Not to get political, but one of the biggest mistakes we have made in fighting terror is to underestimate the threat of evil among us. But we're not talking evil as in terrorism right now. Right now we're talking about evil as in the presence of sin. Your flesh, listen, we talked about the old nature and the good nature. Let's swap sides here. The old nature and the good nature. The old nature and the new nature. Understand, folks, that your old nature cannot do right. It can do nothing but sin, your old nature. But your new nature can do nothing but righteousness. So your old nature cannot do right. Your new nature cannot do wrong. That's a valuable piece of information. That's why 1 John, sometimes people get confused when it says, he that is born of God sinneth not. And you go, whoa, I must not be saved because I sin. No, he that is born of God is your new nature. But you still have an old nature, and Paul said so. Listen, if he that is born of God sinneth God not, in 1 John, means that the guy that sins is not saved, then Paul wasn't saved. Because Paul spent Romans chapter 7 tell us, telling us how he keeps on sinning. There's a constant struggle there between an old nature that cannot do right. Your old nature cannot do right. And your new nature cannot do wrong. But we get on a little winning streak. We have a few victories in a row. And you say, look at there. I haven't cursed in three whole days. I guess I've got that licked. (laughs) <laughs> you have that thought you're going to be cursing within the next five minutes, if, if that's your thing, if that's, if that's your struggle. Say, man, I haven't lost my temper in a week. I think this is finally behind me. Get ready. Somebody's about to pull out in front of you. Evil is always a threat. Never let your guard down. When I went to college, a funny thing, my father pointed this out this afternoon over lunch. He went to Notre Dame 60 years ago right now. I went to Hiles Anderson uh, 29, no, uh, 31 years ago right now. And Joe goes, and Notre Dame and and Hiles Anderson are both in northwest Indiana. So we we came up with a rule that um, every 30, about every 30 years, a, a Vasic uh, migrates from New York State to Northwest Indiana. 
But uh, 31 years ago, next week, I went to Howells Anderson College, and uh, the president of the college, his name was Dr. Wendell Evans. He's preached here before, and many of you know who he is. And Dr. Evans preached in chapel that first day of chapel, and I remember him saying that he said, don't expect, no, let me back up. The first thing he said that, that, that rang in my ears, he said, the easiest place in the world to backslide is in Bible college. And I thought, well, that's strange. That doesn't add up. That doesn't compute. The easiest place in the world to backslide is in Bible college. Why? Because you're in high school, you're a teenager, and you've got some fight in you. And then you come to Christian college and you think, okay, now I don't have to fight so much. And he said, I got news for you. You still have to fight here. You still have to fight the spiritual. You'll never have a time in your life, folks, where you will not have to fight spiritual warfare. And then he said, and this is what I started to say first, he said, you cannot let go of your personal walk with God just because now you're going to chapel every day and you're going to church on Sunday and you're, you're going to Bible classes every day. You cannot let go because those things are no substitute for your personal walk with God. Evil is always a threat. Never let your guard down. You found this throughout your Christian life that the easiest time to sin and to, to make a mistake that you regret, the easiest time to sin is after you've had a great victory. There's so many examples of that in the Bible. To me, the most obvious one is Elijah. Elijah's greatest victory is in 1 Kings chapter 18, his highest point of his ministry. And the lowest point of Elijah's ministry was the very next day, 1 Kings 19, next chapter. He had the highest of his highs and the lowest of his lows, right? Why? Because you get, you get, you have a spiritual victory and you think, woo! And something in you says, I've arrived. Evil is behind me now. Evil's never behind you. It's always right there with you. You've got an old nature that will hound you till you die. So the first lesson from, first principle from Romans that helps us in this fight of good versus evil is evil is always a threat. Never let your guard down. Next turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Good and evil. Not only a great contrast, but the conflict of all the ages, the conflict between good and evil. And in Romans, five times, actually, ten times the book of Romans, we're going to look at five of them. We find principles. The first principle we find, evil is always a threat. Never let your guard down. Second one is in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 9. And I'm just going to read the part of the verse that I want to focus on. I'm going to do that with each of these verses. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Now, I have to say, I'm not trying to, I really, I don't ever want to beat up on sincere Christians, no matter what group they're in. But I have to, I don't know what the NIV reads here. I don't know what the New American Standard Version or the English Version, or the English, whatever they are. I don't know what they read here, but I have to believe that these, this verse is not found in a lot of Christians' Bibles. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Because I want to tell you, there's a whole lot of Christians out there acting and living and teaching as if there's no such thing as evil. Nothing's out of bounds. 
Nothing is sinful. Why? Because well, we're under grace and we have liberty. But tell me, please, why Paul said abhor that which is evil. Do you know what abhor means? Here's the definition from the dictionary. To hate extremely or with contempt. To loathe, detest, or here's a word for you, or abominate. Now, let me stop and say this. That is never talking about people. We're never supposed to think about people in that way. It's talking about sin. And yes, it is possible to separate the offense from the offender. It is possible to separate the sinner from the sin. I can hate drinking and love the alcoholic. In fact, if you really want to love the alcoholic, you have to hate the drinking if you're going to help him. Okay, so here's principle number two. Always clearly identify what is good and what is evil. Hold on tightly to the things on the good side and maintain a strong hatred for everything on the evil side. Say, well, uh, pastor, that sounds pretty elementary. All right, then shouldn't be too hard to follow, right? Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Always clearly identify what is good and what is evil. Hold on tightly to the things on the good side. Maintain a strong hatred. Doesn't, not just a distance. Abhor everything on the evil side. Now can I point something out to you? There's no mention of anything in between. And let me make this observation. Carnal Christianity, and if I may say pop culture Christianity, is obsessed with what they think is the neutral area in between. They work overtime trying to put everything on the evil side into that neutral zone. We're taking social drinking off the evil side and putting it in the neutral zone. We're taking, you know, movies, dirty movies, off the, off the evil side, putting it in the neutral zone. We're putting music. And here's, here's what they tell us. Music is amoral. In other words, those heavy drums and that hard, that, you know, that acid rock sound and, and the, 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 the jungle beat, and the, that's, that's amoral. There's nothing, the only thing moral and immoral is the words. Now, I can tell you, not as an expert musician, but as a Christian who has examined the effects of music my entire life, that's garbage. Music is not amoral. You can, in fact songwriters, secular songwriters, have said that music, I think it was, it might have been Paul McCartney, I'm not sure, but, but uh, someone along the, maybe, I'm not going to guess anymore, but, but someone along those lines said music is the most powerful drug on the planet. Music is not amoral. Listen, you say piano, boy, a piano is a pretty, um, pretty innocent instrument. You could go over there and put some chords together on that piano that would change the entire mood of our service. And it wouldn't need another instrument to go with it. Just the chord combinations that you would play would, complete, would, 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 would uh, create a completely different mood than what we had in church tonight. Music is not amoral. Anyway, 
We've got a pop culture Christianity that is, they're focused everything on this supposed neutral area, this gray area in between. And Paul makes no mention of it. He didn't say, this is what to do with the good, this is what to do with the evil, this is what to do with everything in between. He makes no mention of anything in between. So just on that basis, say, Pastor, would you give us an opinion as to whether there is any in between? No, I'm not. I'm just going to address what's in the Bible here, and let's draw this very clear conclusion. Carnal Christianity is obsessed with the gray area in between good and evil. Victorious Christianity is so focused on abhorring evil and clinging to good that it doesn't even acknowledge the gray area. Maybe there's a gray area, maybe there's not, but victorious Christianity is not consumed with the gray area. It's consumed with, I can't remember which side I put evil and good on here, so I'm, um, but uh, it, it is consumed with clinging to the good, abhorring the evil. That'll help you right there if you just give heed to that. Turn now to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse number 21. Again, I'm just going to read the part of the verse that is um, that we're going to address here. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We said, first of all, evil is always a threat. Never let your guard down. Number two, always clearly identify what is good and what is evil. Hold on tightly to the things on the, on the good side. Maintain a strong hatred of everything on the evil side. Not people, but sins, acts, philosophies. Number three, use the good to conquer the evil. Now, the context here in Romans chapter 12 is in how other people treat you. In other words, if, um, if Brother Freddie's going to treat me in an evil way, he keeps on, you, you know, uh, whatever, uh, sl- slashing my tires, I'm going to overcome that not by slashing his tires back, but by... You know, every time he slashes a tire, I'm going to give him a gift card to, to uh, Outback. Don't try it because I'm not going to do it. But that's what it means to overcome evil. Do not, be, do, not, do not let his evil consume me, but overcome his evil with good. All right? Now, that's the context here. But as a principle, that statement will work in every conflict of good and evil. Overcome evil thoughts with good thoughts. And the best good thoughts you can have are scriptural thoughts. And I can tell you, I mentioned this in a message the other night, and a lady who, uh, who teaches some kind of psychology or something, uh, she came up to my wife afterwards, I made the statement that you, your mind can't think two thoughts at the same time. And she came up to my wife afterwards and said, I've never considered that before. She said, that's powerful. I'm going to use that when I teach. And, and your mind can't think two thoughts at the same time. So if you will discipline your mind to think the word of God. That's how I fought sin off when I was a teenager, and still to this day, but when you're a teenager and you have specialized attacks coming from you, from Satan, because he knows when you're seeing something for the first time, he knows when you're hearing something for the first time, and I don't mean on purpose, I mean you, things you can't avoid hearing, and he knows you heard it, and he's going to gang up on you with that thing. How do you fight it off? I fought it off with Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? The grace may abound. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? And if you're consumed with that, your mind can't think another thought at the same time. Overcome evil thoughts with good thoughts. Overcome evil habits with good habits. 
Hey, that's the whole philosophy of why we have RU on Friday night. Replacing what you might have done on a Friday, on Friday night with coming to RU. Overcoming evil habits with good habits. Overcome evil music with good music. Good music. Not keep the music, change the words. Overcome evil music with good music. Overcome evil friends. Now, we're not getting personal here. I'm not saying, you know, uh, and when I say overcome evil friends with good friends, we're not talking about a street fight. We're talking about, boy, I'm having trouble letting go of this crowd. Okay, then find a, a crowd that makes you more like Christ. And the interaction that you used to have with the evil crowd, replace it with the interaction with this crowd. You know, used to that meant parties who you hung out with at the mall. Now it's, it affects you all the time. Who you're friends with on, on Facebook, who you interact with, and I don't know the, the words, but, but who you interact with, Instagram and Snapchat, and I know Twitter is, is uh, followers and who you follow and who follows you. Used to, your friends were just somebody that impacted you once or twice a week. Now it's constantly. It's 24-7. You know, someone commented, someone liked, someone whatever they do. How do you overcome that? Well, I, I can't unfriend them. I know they curse a lot, but I can't unfriend them because that would hurt their feelings. That's not a factor in my deal. Oh, I, I, Twitter's the only one I do. And if you're going to put garbage up there, I'm going to block you. I'm not going to read your curse words. I'm not going to read somebody else's curse words that you retweet. And if you're not on Twitter, retweet probably sounds like the stupidest word on the planet. It does to me too. But uh, I'm not going to read people's garbage and nonsense because that influences me. That impacts me. And so overcome evil friends with, with good friends. All right, let's go to the third one. Turn to Romans chapter 14. We're coming in for a landing here. I'm learning from these younger guys. Get it done in 30 minutes, all right? Romans 14, verse number 16. Romans 14, verse number 16. While you're turning there, let me just review. Evil always is a threat. Never let your guard down. Number two, always clearly identify what is good and what is evil. Hold on tightly to the things on the good side. Maintain a strong hatred for everything on the evil side. We said number three, use the good to conquer the evil. Number four, Romans 14, verse 16. Once again, just the passage, part of the verse that we're going to look at. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. Actually, I think that's the whole. I've got a copy down in my notes, but I think that's the whole verse, isn't it? Let not then your good be evil spoken of. Number four, keep your standard of good high. Now, Romans chapter 14 is an amazing chapter. And the context of this verse is... Don't just do what is not wrong, but strive to do what will not be a stumbling block. Charles Spurgeon was a very famous preacher. He was a very famous man in London in his day. And Charles Spurgeon had something that he used to cool off. That's not the word I want, but to to relax. And that is that he liked smoke cigars. And uh, he, I mean, he'd, he'd walk down the streets alone. Now, you know, uh, smoking is, has become quite a, a demonized thing in our society. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing that it has. But as, at that point, it was not quite thought of so in such a bad way. 
until one day Charles Spurgeon was walking down the street and he saw a sign in a store window. And it was advertising a certain brand of cigar and it said, these are the ones that Spurgeon smokes. And he said, no. No, that's not, that's not where I want my name to be. That's not what I want to be associated with. So even though he clearly didn't think it was sinful, he said, I'm not going to let this habit be a stumbling block. And if you read Romans 14 and read the whole context, you see there, Paul says, okay, this, some, one guy thinks this is okay, one thinks this is wrong, but let's raise the standard to if my practice causes somebody else to stumble, I'd rather not do it. He said, if eating a certain kind of meat, the, the, uh, the question was in those days, eating meat sacrificed to idols, if eating a certain kind of meat causes my brother to stumble, I won't eat meat for the rest of my life. So he's saying, don't just do what is not wrong. Strive to do what will not be a stumbling block. And from that, we're going to, we're going to make this principle. Number four, keep your standard of good high. Keep it high. We need to change. There's nothing wrong with that. And where does the Bible say you can't do that? We need to change that to, will, will this help me bring glory to God? We need to change it to, does this represent Christ? Well, listen, the, the, the pop culture Christianity doesn't even talk in those terms. They don't even think along those lines. Now, I interact enough to, to know that that's the truth. They don't even discuss these issues of, of uh, will that encourage other people to do right? But Paul said, you need to take your standard of right and raise it beyond just, can we prove that this is right or wrong, and raise it to a level of, what's going to cause somebody else to stumble? Keep your standard of good high. And finally, number five, turn to Romans 16. You're right there. Romans chapter number 16. And here's another example, I think, of where we're just going to use part of the verse. Romans 16, verse number 19. And the end of the verse, Paul said this. I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Principle number five. Learn as much about good as you can and stay as ignorant about evil as you can. You don't have to know all the movies. Now, look, you already know what you know. There's nothing you do about that. Now, you can, you can cleanse your mind more than you probably think you can. You've already seen what you've seen and heard what you've heard. But you don't have to know the names of the latest movies. You say, well, man, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be an outsider. That's probably a good thing. I couldn't pick a Kardashian out of a lineup. Now, I know probably somebody needs to, but, but I, I couldn't. I can't, I'm not the guy to call when it's time to do that. And I'm glad for that. You don't have to know everything there is to know about the pop culture. I, I remember in the 70s, I wasn't there, but I have the tape of it. It became a very famous tape on rock music by, by Brother Hiles. And he was preaching against rock music. And he had done a lot of research, but he still didn't know a lot about rock music. I'll never forget listening to it 
And it, it was endearing. You, you weren't laughing at him. You were laughing that here's a man that really doesn't know these things. He's got to preach again. Because he's talking about Mark. He's talking about Bobby Dylan and Greenwich Village. And, and you're got, he researched this and he read the words, but he doesn't have a clue who these people are. Praise God the preacher doesn't have a clue who these people are. It makes me, so I'll never forget being in, in, in Brewster and, and uh, uh, somebody, somebody quoted, I forget, I think somebody in our, I forget what the, we had some interaction with another preacher in town. It was not directly with me, but somebody came back and said, you're never going to believe what pastor so-and-so in town here, not, not here in Brewster said. He said, every once in a while, and this is back, you know, this is back in the day, folks, so I'm going to, I'm bringing up an oldie here. He said, I love Sometimes just to sit back and crack open a, a, a can of beer and, and uh, listen to the Spice Girls. Now, I don't know which is worse, the fact that the pastor would do that or that he would tell people that. You know, I, I look at these 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 you know, these groups now, nobody wants to call themselves a church. And, and so we're just, you know, the, the, whatever, the, uh, the, the journey club, you know, and, or the, the, uh, the Riverside experience, whatever. And you go to the pastor's profile and he's telling you the name of his favorite rock bands. What is that? And I don't even mean CCM, which isn't any better, but I'm talking about just putting it right out there. Oh, yeah, I love, you know, you read I Love Meatloaf, and you go, oh, okay, he likes meatloaf. I like roast beef. No, he's talking about his favorite rock band here. You know, is that even a rock band? I don't even, this is my expert. Is that even a rock band? Um, you know, oh, the pastor loves ACDC. That's, what, what is that? I want, I want, I want a, a and by the way, I can tell you this, I'm not real, real, real smart, I'm not real talented, but I can tell you, your pastor is not up, you have a pastor that's not up on the pop culture and Hollywood, and I hope, I hope you like that, because that's what you're getting, <laughs> so we're, we're not going to, you know, if I'm going to bring up names, they're always going to be about 20 years in the past, they're all going to be dead, because I couldn't tell you, I couldn't, listen, you know that my, my upbringing was country, and I can't tell you who the country groups are. Uh, even the ones that I would try to name who would be the, the latest acts would still be about 15 years old. I don't even know who. I don't follow it. I don't want to know it. I don't need to know it. You don't have to know. Be as ignorant as you can about evil. Can I say this? And please don't laugh. I'm not trying to be funny. Don't, you don't need to know the innuendos. You, you can go to work. And say the most innocent thing, the most general statements. And some idiot's going to go, oh, did you hear that? He said, you go, I don't even know what I said. You know what? I don't want to know. Don't explain it to me. If you want some innocent word to trigger a filthy thought, go right ahead. But don't explain it to me. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And depending on where you've worked, you know exactly what I've, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where they can take the most. And I'm not even going to use an example because I don't, I don't, I don't have it in my head and I don't want to create any kind of a stupid image. But man, there are people out there with such filthy minds that they can take the most innocent statements and say, oh, what do you mean by that? I don't want to live there. I don't want to think there. 
I don't want to know what that means that you just laughed at. I don't want to know the dirty jokes. I don't want to know the filthy words. I don't want to know. Be as ignorant about evil as you can. Please, you know, there's something in us that says, yeah, but, but I don't know. I'm missing something. I'm going to, hey, and, and here's the one that the pop culture folks, Christian crowd, use. well, be all things all men. You really think that Paul knew some dirty jokes so that he could reach, the, you really think that's what he meant? Really, Jesus knew some dirty jokes so that he could be all things all men? Do you really think that's what that means? You know it's not what it means. So stop using it as an excuse for why you have to stay half carnal in order to reach people. You don't have to know these things. You should know as much about Christ as you can. You know, it's, it's amazing. And let me just warn you. There are people who win. I'm not making this up. I just don't want to use names. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. There are people who win awards, who write Christian songs. They win Christian awards for writing Christian songs that couldn't find the book of Romans in the Bible. I'm not making that up. How is it that you're a Christian performer, Christian songwriter. And you can tell me every detail about every movie, but you can't find the book of Ephesians. There is somebody that is, I don't, you talk about grace and liberty all you want to. There is somebody that clearly knows too much of evil and not enough of good. Know everything about the Bible that you can. Know everything about Christian heritage that you can. Know everything about Christian heroes that you, that you can. Got a call from Pastor Barnes uh, yesterday, and um, he wants to get together as many uh, homeschool Christian homeschool folks throughout the New England area as he can, can, and he wants to go to different Christian sites four or five times in the next school year. And uh, he said, I know you know a little bit about it. And he said, so could you come? And actually, the first site he mentioned, I said, I don't know the first thing about it, but I will become an expert by the time we get there. And so I said, yeah, I'm in. I was so pleased going to Plymouth a week and a half ago. And my kids are finding things in the, in the there, there's a graveyard where the Plymouth settlement used to be up on top of the hill there in Plymouth. And my, my kids are saying, Dad, over here, Adoniram Judson, there's a, he's not buried there, he's buried at sea, but there's a marker there to, that commemorating Adoniram Judson because his father pastored in Plymouth. Now, by the way, I wonder how many Christians couldn't tell me who Adoniram Judson was. That's a shame. That's a shame. Do you all know who D.L. Moody was? Do you all know who, do you know who George Whitfield was? Do you know who Jonathan Edwards was? And, and you think I'm crazy because I don't know who, I don't know who to say I don't know who they are. I'm not as innocent as I wish I was, but I don't stay up on this stuff. One reason that we have an election where the majority of Americans agree we don't like either candidate, we're not crazy about either candidate, is because we the only the, the the name that's stuck in my head is Kardashian. I'm sorry, but is we know who the Kardashians are, but we don't we don't know who Jonathan Edwards was. Shame on us. Let me give you these. I closed my uh, notes already, but 
I'll give them to you, and then we'll go to prayer. Let me give them to you one more time. Five principles from the book of Romans that will help you in the struggle of good versus evil. Evil is always a threat. Never let your guard down. Number two, always clearly identify what is good and what is evil. Hold on tightly to the things on the good side. Maintain strong hatred for everything on the evil side. Number three, use the good to conquer the evil. Number four, keep your standard of good high. Number five, learn as much about good as you can and as little about evil as you can. Let me, let me say this in closing. I can tell you this before God. I didn't write down some things that I wanted to get across tonight and then go find scripture to back it up. Actually, I read, I was reading through Romans uh, probably a month ago, and I noticed that there were three times where good and evil were in the same verse. And that set me on a study. And that's where I'd made the other discoveries that I made. And I boiled it down to five principles because I wanted to keep it concise for your sake. So here's a set of truths based on Scripture, not a set of my opinions backed up with some Scriptures that I went in. And I guess there's nothing wrong with that, but I can tell you, I, don't, I, I rarely, if ever, do that. I study the Scripture, tell you what I found, instead of, here's pastor's opinion, here's some verses to back it up. I, I don't study that way. What we got tonight, and I urge you to study it for yourself, is some very clear Bible principle about good and evil. And I trust you'll take it and let it help you to be victorious. Let me have.